Hi, hello, sweet listeners, and welcome back to the In the Meadow podcast. I'm your host, Victoria, otherwise known as Vic in the Meadow in all my other corners of the internet. And today we're talking all about finding my personal style, what that's looked like for me, and kind of reflecting upon interesting style choices throughout my youth and throughout the years, which were heavily influenced by the internet for sure. The days of Tumblr. We will get all into it, but you know how it goes. First, I like to do my little catch-up. I don't know if y'all like it yet, but I like to keep you posted on what's going on with me before we dive into the topic. So the first piece of business is that if you follow me on Instagram, I'm sure you might have seen my post regarding updates on the mental health. But that's been the biggest change in my life. And I'm not going to talk about it too much today because next week I'm going to do an episode that's a little more casual, a little more like catch up with me and my life. And we're going to talk about how you don't have to monetize your hobbies, but I did want to briefly touch on it since this is my first time recording since receiving my diagnosis of OCD. That has been a very big change in my life and a very, very expensive one. And I guess what I mostly wanted to touch on is how inaccessible mental health care and healthcare in general, but especially in Canada, how inaccessible mental health care is. For this specialized type of therapy that I need to try, exposure response prevention therapy, I think I'm getting that right, it is between $225 and $250 per session, which like a therapeutic hour is 50 minutes. And that's a lot of money, especially like I, I'm self-employed. I don't have insurance and I'm going to need probably between 17 to 25 sessions. So the math is mathing that I will probably be having to spend over five grand on this. Do I have that money right now? No, thank goodness for credit cards. <laughs> I say painfully, but I'm just like, man, you know, I'm lucky to even be in a position where that's something that I have room to incorporate into my life and into my finances. I cannot even imagine the vast majority of people where that is inaccessible to them. It's interesting because I'm not sure how people from other countries view Canadian healthcare, but I'd imagine that some people think that that incorporates all aspects of healthcare or universal healthcare, and it really doesn't for some weird reason our eyes like optometry our teeth dentistry and mental health like psychology psychiatry none of that is included or covered in our universal health care which is very odd to me because like we can't help that we can't see we can't help that we're mentally unwell it is so bloody expensive anyways that's kind of been the spiral that i am living in right now and ultimately sitting with a new diagnosis is heavy and hard and i don't understand a lot about what ocd is and i'm really learning how much i just don't know about this I don't even know what the right word is, disorder, disease, like I don't, I don't even know. I have a lot of work to do, but I'm being very cautious to not get caught up in Dr. Google. So next week I have my first like big initial assessment with my new therapist and I'm going to let them explain to me what OCD means, how it is relating to myself so that I can just avoid the big spiral because that is also part of 
my OCD. Anyhow, it's just so interesting. I know there's a lot of different conditions, mental health related, that get misdiagnosed as one another, but just realizing how damaging it's been my entire life being misdiagnosed with general anxiety disorder and how the therapies that I've tried are all coping mechanisms and soothing myself when in reality that has made my OCD and my um, compulsions so much worse. From what I understand with OCD, like you don't want to learn to live with those demons in your head. You need to banish them. But that this is a forever process. Okay, anyways, I don't know. I know I'm not making a ton of sense. It's also just like that new post- mental well-being, therapy, brain fog. It's so real. It's so much to wrap my head around and I just appreciate everybody that left comments or messaged me and made me feel less alone in this. And it sounds like a lot of people have had very similar experiences to me. And this is something that I will uh, definitely be sharing hopefully months from now uh, when I have more to reflect upon. Because I know for me, I wasn't able to find a ton of information about this online. And I think there's a lot more shame that comes with OCD as compared to things like, you know, maybe ADHD, where a lot of people are online talking about how they can use it to their advantage. And with OCD, like that's just, that's not how it works. And that's not the viewpoint that we can have with it because we need to learn to not give in to those compulsions with avoidance and reassurance. Anyhow, it's just something that I will definitely be sharing upon, even though it is hard for me to talk about and I do feel some embarrassment around it. I know that it's important to talk about and I'm understanding that a lot of people have these very similar feelings to me and that it is okay. I am trying to actively practice my talking to myself like I am my inner child, talking to myself how I would if it was my best friend and giving myself more grace and compassion as I navigate this, speaking of eyes, brains, and teeth not being covered by Canadian Universal Healthcare, for like the few people that maybe know, I'm two years deep into my Invisalign treatment now. And if adulthood isn't just like catching up on all the healthcare that your parents couldn't afford when you were younger or didn't have insurance for, anyhow, I'm, I'm so close to finishing and I just went to what I thought was like maybe the final tray appointment this morning at my orthodontist and my top teeth are done. My top set, they're done. I only have to wear those trays at night for now until we get my bottom teeth caught up and I have to do my overcorrection trays for a month with my bottom teeth. And then I go on Halloween, which I feel like is very, very good luck to reassess and see if it's time for like just night guard mode or if we need to order more trays. But I am manifesting good things that I'm almost done with this treatment because y'all, I just, oh. I'm so grateful to have Invisalign and not need to have braces and that Invisalign was an okay treatment because I'm super claustrophobic, but I miss sipping on a tea or my cranberry ginger ale throughout the day so bad because with Invisalign, you're supposed to wear them, you know, 20 to 22 hours a day. So it's kind of like you take them out to eat or drink, then you got to, you know, wait your 20 minutes, hustle, brush your teeth, get the trays back in. So like when I'm drinking my tea, I'm like chugging my tea. It is not a leisurely experience. Anyhow, I'm almost done with that. So that's basically my <laughs> my medical report of what's new and going on with me. But really, that's been my life the past week. That is what's new with me. And I've really just been trying to sink into some mind-numbing relaxation with the rest of my free time. I have been watching, I know I mentioned at the last episode, the end of the last episode, I think that I was very excited to go watch some fall Hallmark movies, and I have indeed done that. 
Notes of Autumn, I think it was called, was super duper cute. I watched one, I think it was called Fourth Down in Love, which was like a football, fall vibes, Hallmark movie. Super, super good. The vibes are vibing. My partner and I binge watched the Halloween Town series this past weekend. He had never seen it. He did sleep through the entire second movie, but he did enjoy them. And there's just something so special about nostalgic family, or if you're in America, Disney Channel, Halloween movies. Oh, this weekend, we'll definitely, I'm filming this like the, the week ahead of time right now, but this weekend, I will definitely be indulging in Mom's Got a Date with the Vampire, Phantom of the Megaplex, all the good old Family Channel original Halloween movies. The leaves are starting to change color. Lots of good things are happening. So the vibes are vibing. We are feeling it. I am shifting into fall mode officially. But with all that being said, let's let's go back into our topic of today's episode, which is talking about finding my personal style. I want to start this out by saying that this is not a means of giving into overconsumption, hyperconsumption, fast fashion, all of these things. We're going to start out with just a reflection of how my style has changed throughout the years. And I was born in 1996. I'm a late 90s baby. And I feel like a lot of people from the 80s and 90s grew up in a generation where we were mall rats. We didn't have cell phones. Like growing up, we went to the mall with 30 bucks and you could buy a couple shirts and your smoothie and lunch with your 30 bucks. You cannot do that now. But it was like the culture, you know, Paris Hilton, Britney Spears, all these icons, Hilary Dove, that I was looking up to and I was like, I want to be those people. It's so funny to me how trends come back around, right, in circle and we're seeing them circle. Because back then, I would have given anything for a juicy velour sweatsuit. And now they're in winners for like a fraction of the price that they used to be. So, so funny. Anyhow, I have had some iconic ebbs and flows of style throughout my life. And from as young as I can recall, my family was taking me thrifting because we were lower class. So like I said, if we were going to the mall, I had, you know, my 30 bucks and I could buy a few things after my birthday, whatever it might be. Most of the time though, we were browsing and especially like the younger, the later 90s crew, you know, you didn't have jobs, you didn't have money, you had whatever your parents gave you. So we would have just as much fun. I didn't grow up in the quote unquote city where the malls were that I live now. I grew up in a small town. We would drive the 40 minutes into town. My parents would dump us off at the mall. We would be looking for cute boys. We were people watching, we were getting a little smoothie and we were happy window shopping. But primarily my memories of early, early childhood before I had my first little part-time job was thrift shopping, especially with my grandma. This is so strange. I don't know if anyone else has like grandparent core memories, but my nanny, bless her heart, she loved a thrift, both because, hello, elderly people pension, there's not a lot of money, and she just loved the hunt and the employees at the thrift store that was close to her. So I remember like every single time I'd go and stay with my nanny, we would either catch the bus to farther into the city or we'd walk down to the thrift store that was, you know, a couple kilometers from her and we would go to town, you know, it would be like, okay, what color tags are 50% off today? And my nanny would say, you know, okay, I am looking for a nice blue shirt with some flower embroidery or whatever she was looking for. And I would just get to help hunt down whatever my nanny was looking for. And half the time, 
I wasn't even looking for clothes myself. I remember more thrift shopping for my nanny than I do for myself. And that was so much fun for me. And getting my nanny to wear clothes that maybe were like a little out of her comfort zone. And I remember doing this with my mom too. And I still do. My mom's like literally that quote from Mean Girls. It's like, oh, you girls keep me young. My mom requests my help. I don't want to say needs my help because I think she is iconic however she chooses to dress, but she likes to know what I think looks good on her. Not necessarily what's trendy, but she likes for me to pick out pieces with her. So that has been something super fun in like my development as a child was getting to help dress and style people in my family other than me. And that's really, I think, been cool for me to reflect upon that I have so many fun memories related to just like style and helping bring people out of their shell and feel good in their body and their clothes and how they're feeling in those clothes rather than only being centered around myself. But as I got older and started to have a little bit more fun with clothing myself, all of that practice of thrifting for my nanny and mom came in handy for me. As us poor folks know, we knew how to thrift before the gentrification of thrifting, before it became cool again. So I was in there hunting down the when it was like the jean, the American Eagle jeans in the thrift store. I was also, we will get into my hipster era, but I was the CEO of finding grandpa sweaters. Back when you could actually thrift like old knit grandpa sweaters for like $4. Gonna cost you a crisp 12 at least now in Canada. And that's on the lower end. Like we will get all into that. But I'm getting ahead of myself. First, we have to start again with those early style memories from childhood, which uh, I am just, y'all know, I'm such a nostalgic person. I did a whole episode on the nostalgia of being a 90s kid, but I feel like us 90s kids just grew up in such a good time because for, you know, girls at least, we grew up in like the chick flick era, a Cinderella story, Clueless, Mean Girls, Mary-Kate and Ashley movies. Mary-Kate and Ashley were my Bible. And it was also the era of magazines. And if anyone else was like me, I loved a magazine. When my mom was taking me to Shoppers Drug Mart, you know, it was like 20 times the point stays. She's shopping for her little shampoos, makeups. I am straight to the magazine section, getting Tiger Beat, J14, eventually Teen Vogue. But when you're a kid, those like teeny bopper magazines where there's all the like cute celebrities on the front, all the quizzes inside, which Jonas brother is going to be your boyfriend. That was a special time in pop culture for me at least. So I think all of that cumulatively just had a lot of us really having fun with style as we were kids and using what we had. You know, this was before the era of influencers. So again, it was like magazines we were looking at. So the class divide, I guess, was a little more mysterious per se. Right nowadays, we have TikTok and Instagram where we're seeing people that are way wealthier than us, blowing up on these apps, sharing their hauls of things that we can never afford. Maybe it gets into our head that we think we can afford this. I'm telling you right now, no one needs to spend five grand on a Van Cleef necklace. But back then, the class divide was just, like I said, a little more mysterious. There was an essence of je ne sais quoi in the air. So when we would see things in magazines, I think it was easier to say like, whoa, okay, you know, Paris Hilton is wearing a pink crop top with her low-rise bell bottoms. And I never even thought once like, oh, I wonder where those are from. I wonder what brand they were. I just knew, oh, we don't know. 
all we see is this paparazzi picture. These celebrities weren't actively sharing on social media and tagging brands of where everything was from. So in my head, it was easier, I think, on us as kids back then, because we could go to the mall and be like, okay, I'm going to go to Blue Notes, get my $20 pair of bell-bottom jeans, and then go to Stitches and get my little graphic tee. And we were like, boom, we just recreated a Paris Hilton look. We were satisfied with it. Whereas again, now there's just such an interesting shift where the class divide is just more obvious and it's more prevalent. And I think that we are, I'm not, I did not study fashion. This is just my unprofessional opinion, but I think we're going to see more of a shift back to appreciating creators, influencers, whatever, who are more relatable and maybe in the same tax bracket as us. It's been really interesting too, like I know this is October now, but in September when, you know, I was scrolling a TikTok and I've seen these young girls in high school posting their back to school hauls and I got sucked in because I'm like, God damn, what do y'all's parents do for work? These hauls were insane. And I think that Again, in this world of comparison that we live in, it must be really, really hard for young people right now to separate that comparison and be like, oh my God, like, okay, well, this girl just got like a 5K haul from the mall of all this stuff and think like, well, why don't I have that? And, you know, I don't, my demographic is not that age people, but I just want to like give those kids a hug and be like, your parents are doing their best. The economy is horrible and secondhand clothes and cheaper clothes are what is accessible to the vast majority of people right now. And that's a whole other topic of nuance between fast fashion and sustainable fashion and whatever. And we are not unpacking that today. That is beyond my brain capacity at the current functioning moment. But circling back to saying the mall era, the magazine era was just so much fun. I loved the chuggy era of the t-shirts with sayings on them. And here in Canada, we got them from Stitches. I'm not, I'm not sure the like equivalent in the States or if y'all had Stitches, if you're familiar with that, I don't know. If you're from Canada, you know, you know, there was Stitches, Sirens, Blue Notes. They were like the, the stores of that time. And they were the kind of more affordable store. Sirens was, I guess, a bit the older girlies. It was kind of like the club wear. But let me tell you, there was a weird period of time where even us in like eighth grade were wearing club wear. We were wearing business casual. Oh, the business casual era. I feel like Lauren Conrad was partially responsible for this because I remember owning a Lauren Conrad blazer that I got going across the border shopping in the States at like Kmart, not Kmart. What's the other one? Kohl's. Kohl's? K-O-H-L-S? I'm having a brain fart, y'all. One of those stores, that Lauren Conrad blazer. We had no business thinking we needed to wear slacks and blazers as 13-year-olds. But the girlies convinced us. Anyways, (laughs) I was deep in that lifestyle. And it really was a lifestyle where, again, pop culture just really ruled that period of my life growing up. You know, the jelly sandals. The first era of Crocs being, I don't don't want to say cool because they weren't cool, but popular per se, maybe, kind of, was just a lot happening. I'm glad that I got to have that period of my life where I gave in and I was really into the trends and that was fun for me. And that is great. I think as long as people are having fun with their style, that is all it's about, baby. 
Now, before we get into my grungy emo phase, I want to bring you a little word from the sponsor of today's episode. And if y'all follow me on Instagram, you've probably heard of this brand before. I don't know, brand company, but this is going right into what I was talking about with sustainability and making that affordable still to the population who maybe can't afford high profile, sustainable, expensive brands, but getting into clothing swaps and trades secondhand. Have you ever stood in front of your closet brimming with clothes yet you feel you have absolutely nothing to wear? And at the same time, you don't want to buy more and more new stuff. Well, then I'm excited to tell you about the app Lucky Sweater. This is not your typical fashion app, but a community-driven trading platform designed to revitalize how you engage with your wardrobe. Lucky Sweater disrupts the traditional cycle of buy, wear, discard by fostering communities where cherished fashion pieces and craft supplies can be traded. Yes, that is right. This is an app for swapping, not shopping, allowing you to refresh your wardrobe, discover new brands, and develop your true personal style with a trusted community and without the burdensome baggage of overconsumption. The slow fashion community trades a treasure trove of sustainable brand pieces from Nettle Studios, Elizabeth Suzanne, Ileana Cohn, and more. And there is the Me Made community where knitters, sewists, and DIY enthusiasts trade handmade pieces and surplus supplies. And the exciting news is Lucky Sweater is launching their vintage community in October too. But the trading is not all that's great about Lucky Sweater. Folks share advice and outfit and project inspiration in the community sections of the app too. So if you're ready to make a sustainable and fun shift in your wardrobe, go ahead and download Lucky Sweater today from the App Store or Google Play Store. Just use the invite code VicInTheMeadow to join. That's invite code VicInTheMeadow. Happy trading! All right, circling back. Now let's get into my little emo face. So towards grade six, seven, eight, I'd say in elementary school, I was transitioning from my girly pop era and entering my little emo phase. I think a lot of us young folks were eased into this, at least in Canada, by Miss Avril Lavigne, Ontario's finest export. I have a school picture and I'm going to see if I can dig it up or get my mom to send it to me of I think maybe fifth grade where I just had like a random hot pink streak in my hair and my mom was so cool she was like it's just hair it grows back do whatever you want with it I loved so much and it was so fun to be able to express myself that way but the hot pink hair streak and like the grungy like hair bows now if you weren't there at that time, maybe you don't know what I'm talking about. And again, I'll try and put up a picture on my Instagram story and save it to my podcast highlight when I put this up on Sunday. But it, it is not the current hair bows. There was multiple hair bow errors. There was hipster hair bows. No, 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 no. There was like, oh, here's the word I'm looking for. Scene kid hair bows. I'm probably triggering some people right now with that term. Scene queens ruled my late elementary school years. And that was my gateway in was the hot pink streak and my little scene queen hair bow that I got from Claire's. Now music definitely played a heavy influence in my life and I don't know, I feel like my music eras and time are of interest to anyone. I can also maybe talk about that in the future, but music was heavily influencing my style in these years of my life. And this is when I was 
very deep into Boys Like Girls, Fall Out Boy, Panic at the Disco, which if you know, you know, I have a Panic at the Disco tattoo with my best friend. In that period of my life, music was heavily influencing my style. This is when detox was really big in Canada. This was, we didn't have Hot Topic growing up in Canada. That's like a recent new development in the last probably five years that we've got in Canada. So, you know, we'd see online and YouTube videos and whatever, you know, the email kids going to Hot Topic. We had detox, which lasted for a little while. It was similar, but it was like the knockoff. It was like the no-name Hot Topic, but we had to work with what we got. That was where you found your checkered suspenders, which I, I did in fact own, the yellow, bright yellow skinny jeans. Some people preferred bright red. You, again, you worked with what you had. Studded belts, the band tees. Oh, it was, it was a special, a special time in style. I pretty much lived in skinny jeans, band t-shirts, and eventually box dyeing my hair black, which, hey, full circle, we came back around to that in my late 20s. That was a really fun time, in my opinion, where, you know, we were watching the YouTube, again, if you had an emo phase, you know, if you didn't, this is probably super unrelatable, but we'll transition to my next phase soon. But in the emo phase, we were watching the YouTube videos of, like, the scene queens teasing their hair, putting in the coontail streaks into their hair, layering on the raccoon eye, heavy black eyeliner. Let me tell you, I was too young. I was not doing this justice. I wasn't the optimal age to nail the scene emo vibes. And I was also shy. So, you know, I'm like my days on the weekends at home with my friends, go a little more into it, but I was pretty reserved from like a school standpoint of what I wanted to wear out because I was also just very shy and didn't want to, didn't want to stand out too much. But that was the years when I started getting really into concerts. You know, it was the time of Warped Tour, Riot Fest. Uh, again, I live like two-ish hours away from Toronto. So, you know, having my mom or my aunt, if I was going with my cousin who had very similar interests to me. You know, they drive us into Toronto for the night and we get to go to shows. And I don't know now the appropriate age to let kids go to a show by themselves. But at the time, I'd say eighth, seventh, eighth grade was when, you know, me and my friends and cousin, who was also like one of my best friends, started going to shows on our own. I don't know if that would fly now. At the time, it was okay. This is where things start to get mixed in my style journey because I have a blip in time of remembering very isolated this like punk emo grungy phase with the detox hot topic vibes and then morphing into my hipster era. And I think that this is a transition a lot of us had with the emergence of Tumblr. And Tumblr was something that very much my style centered around. It was the days of jam jars. If anyone remembers jam jars, she has actually now transitioned. But at the time, she was giving very mask hipster style and had a girlfriend who I can't remember her username, but she was also just like grunge Tumblr style. And I think that was a time where, you know, the grunge to hipster eras were colliding. Crystal Castles was at their peak. I was running a gore blog. Oh my God. Reflecting upon youth is so 
freaking funny. Just all of the trends that I'm sure a lot of us others listening can relate to that we tried out and just dove headfirst into. And the fun thing is like at those periods in our life, that was our whole world. We didn't have jobs. We didn't have bills. The entire identity surrounded my Tumblr blog. I still have friends today that I met through Tumblr. One in real life, Mary. I don't know if Mary listens to my podcast, but shout out to Mary. I have friends from the States as well that I've never met in person, but I'm still internet friends with now on Instagram and TikTok who have transitioned over from the Tumblr days. But it was just, I was a different time. Crystal Castles, Arctic Monkeys, Tudor Cinema Club, all of these bands were very influencing style. And that was, again, I don't know if this is something that people still relate to, but at the time, music and style went so hand in hand, depending what circles you ran in. At that hipster era time in my life, things were changing style-wise. I think I went back blonde. I was bright red hair for a little while. Started getting, I already had you know, my bottom lip piercing. The bottom lip piercing from the emo phase, it came out. We transitioned to the philtrum piercing, which I still have to this day. We got the nose hoop. There was also a lot of very iconic style choices in the indie hipster community. American Apparel was at the top of its game. The black disco pants, the, I don't know if anyone else had these. It was the t-shirts where it had the uppercase letter and then the lowercase letter. You were so cool to have that. They were absurdly expensive. I feel like it was like 40 bucks for those. And I never had the V one. I stole my friend Sydney at the times S one. Why? I don't know, but it was the cool thing to do. Grandpa sweaters, again, as I was saying, this is when my thrifting experience came in handy again because you could find so much unique, cool stuff at the thrift store. And this is when we were wearing tights like nylons under high-waisted shorts with a grandpa sweater on top with Doc Martens. That was a vibe. And you know what? I would still wear that today. I would love to bring back nylons under shorts. This was also a time of mod cloth. And I don't know if anyone else, I don't know if this is a unique experience, shopped on mod cloth. And it was a little bit more expensive, but they had like vintage retro-y looking dresses and shirts. And I remember for like some school dance or something, I was allowed to order one. And I just felt like the coolest, coolest kid in my retro-y looking dress. Oh gosh, it was a time of feather earrings, feather hair extensions made like a weird little blip in there with the mainstream crowd. Again, with the influence of Tumblr, I guess Tumblr was similar to TikTok. We were heavily influenced. There was a trend that went around where you would dip dye your hair with Kool-Aid. And I'm so embarrassed to say that I in fact did this and I had gone from my box dyed black back to blonde hair and my hairdresser was like, you got to be committed to this because this was a lot of damage to your hair, bringing us back from black. And what do I do but dye it with green Kool-Aid, boiled water, added Kool-Aid, dip dyed my hair with my friend. Oh my God. Of course, everyone on Tumblr's like, oh, it'll wash out in five to seven washes. No, no, it didn't. But at least it was a vibe. And then I did the walk of shame back to my hairdresser and I said, please, for the love of God, help me. There was just so many, again, just like fun style choices at the time. It was just so much fun. And again, at this time, I was going to a lot of shows. This was probably the height of my concert era. If anyone's from the Toronto area, if you remember Cool House, I think it used to be called something else. It was like Cool House sometimes. And then what was it by day? 
I can't remember. There was like dual names for it for some reason, but it was a small-ish little concert venue. I remember seeing Tudor Cinema Club there, Bombay Bicycle Club, Iron and Wine. And those were the excuses to wear those extra, like just the most extra outfits. I would wear like my floral mod cloth dresses with a pair of like booties, my feather earrings, probably like layers of sweaters and jackets on top to go to these shows only to get beer spilled on me by stinky drunk guys in their 20s. And it was simply a blast. You would go to these shows and you would get style inspiration from all these cooler older kids. Because again, at this time, I was in my teenage years in high school and you'd go and you'd see these people again in like their early 20s where they're at the age to be killing it with these trends because hello, they had money. They could do it. That's the biggest thing I've learned from growing into adultive style is like, oh, you can look a certain way when you can afford it. But it was just such a fun and just like freeing time for me. Now, I will say growing up in a small town, this was not, not the norm. I hung out with primarily kids from one town, one small town over from me that was a little bit bigger in uh, Woodstock, if anyone knows of Woodstock. I don't often talk about like specifics of where I grew up and stuff in Southern Ontario, but Woodstock was the next bigger city kind of near me, I guess. And I don't know how, I think their musical theater I fell into hanging out with some of those kids and they were like way more Indian hipster than me. So I was like, whoa, there are other people that want to dress this way and listen to this music and like do the same artsy stuff. And it was really cool. And then that expanded into some of my friends that left the, I guess, local sector of high school and got bussed into the art school in the big city nearby. They had like legit art programs. They had film photography labs. Like again, a legit art program with different mediums. I think that really just opened me up to finding my people that I felt comfortable with dressing how I wanted to dress and just like existing as myself. And that didn't always translate over to the high school that I went to, which was very like jockey, I guess, kind of like sp- I know all high schools are a little jockey, but like there was very much the popular crowds. My friend group had some overlap where like one of the, one of my good friends was like kind of like between like the cool girls and our little group and which eventually led to some dissolution of, of things because we weren't all accepted into those groups. I will say I was very lucky. I didn't really get like bullied per se in high school. People respected the drip. They <laughs> they were like, I don't want to look like that, but I respect it. Garnered the nickname from my high school boyfriend who funnily enough is like best friends with my current partner. <laughs> I garnered the nickname Kesha because I naturally have wavy hair. I don't, I'm not tapping my toe into the wavy versus curly online space out there, but I naturally do have like wavy, maybe curly, I don't know, hair. And at the time it was bleach blonde and I was just dressing like a hipster. And my boyfriend at the time decided that I looked like Kesha and that caught on. And there's, I still get the occasional Kesha 
from people I went to high school with. It was fun. It was a fun time in 12th grade, actually, at my prom, which I was very reluctant to go to. And we'll get into my prom look after. But uh, we did these fun, what's the word, like superlatives. Because uh, in like Canada, yearbooks aren't a huge thing. Like I have yearbooks and I'll try and dig up some pictures from them. But they weren't as big. So and, and neither are our proms. Everything in high school is like just a little less serious it, everywhere except America, I think. But anyhow, prom, we had these little awards that the prom committee decided to make that we all voted for in 12th grade. I think that was so fun. I am pretty certain I remember exactly who was on this prom committee. Let me tell you, they were made for it. But anyhow, I won the award called the Hipster Award. I'm too cool to accept this award. And man, they made like really fun trophies. I still have it again. I need to like dig it up for my mom's and take a picture of it. But it was like made to look like a framed record, but it was like a mix CD and it said like hipster award on it or something. Anyways, that was the bulk of, I'd say my high school years was the hipster phase of style. And then towards that 12th grade period of time, Again, I was just feeling more in tune with myself. I didn't care what people were thinking as much. I was working through a lot of my social anxiety. And I, I reverted back to the, the punky emo phase once again, because I was like, oh, I'm old enough to get piercings without parental consent now. And then I turned 18 in May of uh, 2014, I think whenever I graduated high school and had a couple months where I started getting tattoos before I even graduated because I knew like the, literally my 18th birthday I had my first tattoo booked and that is a whole other story maybe don't do that but regardless I was feeling more into myself and again getting to that phase where I'm like oh you know I'd had a part-time job for a few years now I had my own money there was very little bills to pay I lived at home for my first year of college and I was like I can look the way that I want to look. And most importantly, I was like, I can start looking the way that makes me feel safe and comfortable in my body, which I think is just the most important thing for anyone, but especially young people and kids when you're already feeling self-conscious in your own skin. So high school is when my tattoo and kind of reversion back into punk began. My hair went back to box dye black. I had my filgen pierced, my nose piercing, pretty much all the piercings I have now, plus like a bajillion in my ears. I had stretched ears at the time. I forgot to talk about, again, that era. Monami Frost was like my icon at the time on Instagram. She's still so cool. Uh, but she inspired me to stretch my ears. And I think I got up to like three quarters of an inch, which is why I cannot wear normal earrings now. I don't care to get them sewn up, but that was, that was popping. At that time, I even had stretched my filtrum piercing, which like, if you didn't have an emo punk phase, you're probably like, what? Is that a thing? Yes, because Monami Frost did it. <laughs> so I wanted to do it. And it hurt like crap. And I'm glad I didn't go too big because now I can fit regular jewelry in it again. But that was my 12th grade year. I was like, F it, balls to the walls, throwing everything I had at reliving my emo phase. So my prom pictures, which I will definitely share on my Instagram story. I went and back then, like, I don't know what the norm was to spend on prom dresses, but at the time it was expensive spending like a hundred bucks on a dress. And most people would go to... We had a one prom-ish store in the big city and otherwise some people would go to bridal shops and we usually got bridesmaids dresses. Again, I don't know like what people are doing now. I think people are spending way more on graduation dresses, 
but that like a hundred bucks was a lot to spend on a dress at the time. And my mom took me to a local store for prom dresses and the whole nine years, the experience of trying them on. And I was like, literally mom, I know what I want. I want a black dress. So I got my black prom dress and had my black hair and my bummy boyfriend at the time who have not mentioned in this episode, but mentioned before, thank goodness, he was older and didn't want to go to prom. And I'm so glad he didn't because all my prom pictures are with my best friends at the time, no bummy boyfriends. And it was just a great night. It was so much fun. I was living my best emo kid life. And that really led me into my college years where, again, I was living at home the first year and the economy was different. I started getting tattooed a lot. And just running in very like punk-ish circles per se. And I was probably getting tattooed once or twice a month at the time. And this is also back when you could get like a good tattoo for like 80 bucks. Again, the economy has changed. I am so for paying artists what they're worth. And typically do like 150 to 180 an hour tattoo artists now. But it was a different time. I've been getting tattooed for a decade now. But I went hard and that was really how I felt. As comfortable in my skin as I did was just adding these tattoos. And I was like, I finally feel and look like the person that I always knew I wanted to. And it was really hard on my parents. My mom cried for like the first four years of me getting tattoos. Then she came around and that's a different thing. But I really was just embracing my style and how I wanted to look. And again, those college years were really, I guess, kind of formative for me in breaking out of the box that I felt that I had to exist in. I was like, okay, you either have to be, you know, girly pop or punk or indie, whatever, alternative. And then I went to college and I was like, whoa, you know, my program, I was the baby. It was mostly a program that people were doing as a second career. I was seeing people from all ages, all different cultures, all different backgrounds, all different cities and different styles. And the other interesting thing was in college, we had to wear scrubs to our classes into any labs. So like you you didn't have that expression aside from your hair and like piercings and tattoos anyhow. And it kind of just made me rethink, you know, on the time that I actually have to get dressed, like what do I actually want to be wearing? Not just like who I want to look like, if that makes sense. Pulling inspiration rather than saying like, I want to be that person. Really figuring out like what made me feel safe in my body. I think that's what kind of drew me through the last seven years, seven, eight years of my style in my life where I feel like I've been, you know, I have, I describe my style as very eclectic. It's here and there, but it really kind of solidified like wear whatever you want. Who cares? I got introduced into sustainable style, fashion, upcycling things, repurposing textiles. Again, still very heavily into thrifting throughout my whole life. That was a really common theme. Most importantly, I learned to work with what I have, which I think is the biggest takeaway I can give anyone from this episode. Like unlike and unsave all of the posts and videos that you have online of must-haves, fall hauls, whatever it might be, just take it away. My best piece of advice that I have for you is to get back into Pinterest. I am a Pinterest user through and through. And my favorite thing to do is like go through my closet and say like, oh man, okay, you know, I've got black jeans and a big oversized sweatshirt or big oversized t-shirt and go into Pinterest and type in 
black pants, oversized t-shirt, outfit. And to pull inspiration from there and think of new ways I can accessorize or mix and match pieces and saving that to my Pinterest board in that way, rather than again, like going back to childhood, rather than saying, well, I need this exact shirt. I need this exact whatever. This is on trend. So I need this thinking, okay, I like this outfit idea and this style vibe. How can I create it with what I already have? And that is the most sustainable and financially savvy thing that I think that you can do. And the coolest thing you can wear is what you already have. And again, I'm at a place in my life where I don't have a wardrobe budget. I very rarely am purchasing new things. You know, sometimes I'm sent things, which I always disclose, but otherwise I'm always thrifting things, both homeware and clothing first, not just because it's like cool and socially acceptable now, but because who can afford to go to the mall and do these mall hauls that some of these people are doing. I've also really been introduced to comfy core style through the chronic illness community in I think 2019, right before all the COVID stuff kind of blew up. I was diagnosed with an autoimmune condition and was like, oh, okay. So I haven't been gaslighting myself. I, there's actually, yep, reason and treatment for what's going on. But I learned a lot more about the chronic illness and like spooning community and was like, yeah, like F it. I'm going to wear my comfy blundstones, my roots tracksuit, my fuzzy Columbia vest, a toque, and head on out. And you know what? That is very Canadian of me. And that is Canada core fashion. If you're going to Canadian Tire on a gosh dang Sunday morning with your Tim Hortons. But I've just, I guess, been dipping my toes into more communities than I have before and being like, I don't, I don't have to put myself in this box. Um, if you're interested, if that, if that resonates with anyone, because I know like for me, that was something really new. Look up my friend Clara on TikTok. I think her username is still Comfy Core Clara and her content's amazing. She just like normalizes chronic illness and chronic illness style of needing to be comfort, having sensory issues with different fabrics on yourself. Um, God love her. Her finding her account really helped me change my viewpoint on getting dressed every day and also just understanding better people in the chronic illness community that, you know, it shows up differently than it does for me. I'm, I guess, privileged per se, maybe that my illness is like invisible illness. I don't need to use mobility aids. So maybe people don't know. And through looking more into the chronic illness community and style, I've learned a lot about inclusivity, accessibility with garments. There's, there's a whole world there that is really interesting and good to be mindful of. God, this is going to be a long episode. I still have some more notes that I want to go into here as I kind of am wrapping this up into my current style. And I guess that's just to say that I've just learned to not put a label on my style. I'm not chasing trends anymore. I'm working with what I have and learning that you can create so many looks from what you already have based on how you style things. I also just have to say, I love Canadian style. I love that we all live in Crocs and Birkenstocks in the summer and Blundstones the rest of the year. The Canadian fit is your sweatshirt, your plaid flannel over top, your jeans, your Blundstones, maybe a cowboy hat, maybe a toque, depending where you live. But I also have like other staple pieces I really love. Again, that I've like thrifted linen overalls, super comfy for me. Denim overalls, not so much. Do not love it. Linen overalls, so comfy cozy. Layers, layers, layers. I love to layer, especially with going to fall and winter here in Canada. I am bracing 
for the cold weather. I think layered looks are so much fun. Just the different textures. I love oversized and layers. That is like my ideal outfit in a nutshell. I think that's why I struggle so much with summer is I'm like, I just don't feel comfy in my body. I'm not huge on shorts and you know, like form-fitting clothes. It's just not my vibe and that's okay. I love layers. I love oversized. I love knitwear. I love accessories. I love scarves and hats and mittens and boots. My goodness, my quilted coats. The quilted coats are very loved and those are super fun upcycled pieces and I've learned about so many cool brands that are working in the like sustainable style world. Like we talked about today, Lucky Sweater, that's just opening up a platform for the community to swap and trade clothes and specifically, you know, also sustainable clothes and handmade stuff from people that knit and crochet. And with, you know, getting into kind of upcycled clothes, I've also learned about really cool brands. See the Worth is one of my favorite. They work with Goodwill to give them textiles to repurpose primarily quilts, but also like denims and flannels and bed sheets, towels into clothing. So if some of y'all have seen, or I think in like my outfits tab, what's it called? Story highlights. I've got a quilted coat from them that was made from a quilt. I have a quilted bag. I've got shorts that are made from a towel. I have a dress that's made from curtains. Like there's so much neat stuff out there that people are doing. And I think it's also a cool avenue for people to, you know, get back into that with hobbies, which next week's entire episode, we're going to be talking about hobbies and doing things you love and not feeling the pressure to monetize that. But I think it'll be really cool to learn to sew one day, learn to make my own clothes, you know, take towels that maybe, you know, need a second life or have a really cool pattern and turn it into a bag, turn it into shorts, pants, whatever. It's just so many cool and unique possibilities that are more affordable than going and buying brand name stuff. But yeah, I guess like all that to say right now in my quote unquote style journey, I'm eclectic. I love statement pieces. I love neutrals. I love simple but I also love like wild and funky and it depends day to day. And I love that about my style that I don't feel like I have to be put in a box anymore. I wanna look like a different person every day. I can do that and I think that's cool. There's a lot of push online to have your signature look, your signature scent, your signature this, that, and that, your signature jewelry. No, for me, that ain't it. I know some people vibe with like the capsule wardrobe because decision fatigue is real and I understand that. For me, I like to go with my mood, how I'm feeling mentally and physically that day, pop on whatever I want, good to go. I just don't want to have to think about it too much. Whatever I feel like doing, I'm going to do. I'm going to call it an outfit and I'm going to own the choice that that was the outfit that I was going with. But my advice to y'all to close this out, I guess, dress for your inner child. If you're feeling like in a rut or unsatisfied or feeling like you don't know how to get out of following trends, Wear what younger you would have wanted to wear. Experiment with that for a little while. And thrift store secondhand, clothing swaps are a great place to do it. Even there's Facebook groups locally, usually for cities where you can do clothing swaps or like, you know, some shops, like some small stores will organize it or consignment stores where then you're not even having to spend money. You can just go and swap clothes with other people in the community, try different styles. Number two is to not go broke trying to achieve a certain look. And if you're scrolling Instagram or TikTok and getting stuck in that mindset of not enoughness or feeling like, you know, you're really lusting after something, take that step back and be like, nope, 
Uh, it is not worth breaking the bank and going into oodles of credit card debt to get a certain look only for the trends to change and for me to want to be chasing a new look three months from now. Dress for you. The next piece of advice is to let your style up and flow over time and to, I don't know, you know, this is again nuanced. Some people like to hold on to stuff. Some people are really into decluttering. I like to hold on to stuff a bit because again, I'm nostalgic trends come back around. I have stuff from high school that I still wear in sweaters that, you know, maybe I didn't wear for a few years and then it brings it right back around. I have a pair of flared jeans that I have from, you know, ages ago that are cool again in my eyes of like what I want to wear. This piece of advice is really important, I think, and especially in the day and age of the internet. And that's that you can admire someone else's style and recognize that it's not for you or recognize that you can admire that style and not need to recreate that yourself. Because it's just so easy to get caught up in this day and age of the internet. And I guess that's why I kind of wanted to do this episode and make it more about the transitions of style through life rather than being like, this brand, this brand, this brand, this brand. Because if y'all know, a lot of the times the stuff that I'm wearing, it's thrifted or it's unique one-of-a-kind pieces. And I hate, I hate to say it, but I think we all need to gatekeep a little bit more as creators. And I know for some people it's their day job and they're like paid to push certain brands. But I think it's almost better to go back to that J14 Tiger Beat era where rather than making people feel like they need that exact $75 shirt or $150 pair of pants, that it's like work within your budget. If you want to have that look of like the fleece sweater with the vest over top, like go to the thrift store, message your friend group, be like, hey, does anyone have any of these that they don't want anymore? And to find that for yourself, to just change the way that you're viewing media and consuming media and consuming it in a way where it feels positive for your mental health and not like it's giving you those feelings of not enoughness because I talk about it a lot, but we don't want to be shitting ourselves thinking I should look that way. I should do this. I should buy this, whatever it might be. Stop shooting yourself. You're perfect the way you are. If you're at a place in time where you're like, "Mm, I can't afford to do anything about the way I look, whether it's a haircut, whether it's, you know, if you're wanting to experiment with makeup, whatever it might be, going into a place of acceptance of saying like, that's okay. That's okay. I'm worthy from who I am as a person, not just how I look and using style as a way to express yourself when you're able to. I don't know. It's not that deep for everyone. I know. As somebody with like, a lot of tattoos. I think it is just clear that I have a lot of fun with how I look. And I wouldn't say it's it, it's what matters to me, but it's what makes me feel safe in my body and good about myself and the way that I reflect who I am internally to the external world per se. Maybe that will resonate with some people. Maybe it won't. Now, there's some people where they're like, it's just not that deep. I get up, I put on my uniform for work and I go to work and come home and put on PJs. And that is also me a lot of the time, but it's just something good for my mental health. It's like, I guess maybe a form of escapism getting to create outfits and have fun with it, whether it's comfy, I don't really do the fancy thing much, eclectic, whatever it might be. That is in a nutshell, how I got to where I am today. Very curious um, <laughs> if anyone feels like it. If you too had an emo or hipster phase and have some photos that you'd like to share, I won't share them with anyone else, I promise. But feel free to DM me them because I'm going to be putting all this on the internet for people to see. I might have to 
try and get down to my mom's this week to dig up some photos because Lord knows I've scrubbed my Facebook. That's something else I didn't touch on. But the era I grew up in, you know, before Instagram was really cool, Facebook was a thing. We would upload like a photo album on Facebook once a week with like a hundred pictures in it. Just label it like Friday, March 30th. And it's just a backyard photo shoot with our new t-shirts from Stitches. Like, I don't know, y'all. It was a different time. Bring your digital camera on your wrist to like parties with you. Like it was just, the vibes were different. So I think that the way we captured those moments in time were, again, just different, different, different times. So I would love to see y'all's style evolution as well. Maybe I'll make one of those those things, you know, those like add yours pictures to my story with like different eras of time and style so that y'all can also share them if you feel so inclined because I just really want to see it. And I love, again, I talk about it every time, but I love the community aspect that this podcast has built. And here I'm shouting into the void quietly home alone in my office, but I feel like I'm talking to y'all, you know, and I've got to build a lot of relationships with those of y'all that message me after you listen to the podcast and share your thoughts or let me know that you appreciate it. And just nice to feel less alone and to feel that sense of community. And I hope that one day I can figure out a platform to better connect on so we can all talk to one another. But like, it's weird out there. I know some of y'all might have noticed I made a Instagram channel, I think it's called, called the Book Nook. Because I was talking about like, oh, let's start a book club. It's so hard to find free platforms to do it on, right? Because there's like Patreon, but like, I don't want to put a paywall in front of the community. And so right now I've got the Book Nook on Instagram where I'm able to send out messages. But like, for whatever reason, there's not an option to let the community reply. But I'd love to find something one day that's user-friendly and easy for the podcast. I, I, you know, I just said it before. I know there's Discord. I've tried to use that for other people's communities and I don't find it user-friendly, but I know like not everyone's on Facebook, so Facebook group's not ideal. And then you got to add a bunch of people. I don't know, y'all. We'll figure it out one day. But for now, I am just happy to have y'all here. I'm so grateful for y'all listening. Next week's episode, we're going to be talking about you don't have to monetize your hobbies. And I have not recorded it yet, but I've wrote down some notes and I'm going to do a little bit of a life catch up in that one since it'll be a bit more cash, a bit less structured and catch y'all up on how my OCD assessment goes because that's going to happen within the next week and talk about my birds. I've got some bird updates. It's migration season, molting season. I can't help but laugh at myself when I talk about my bird friends, but Thank you all so much for listening. Y'all know new episodes every Sunday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Until then, you can find me on TikTok and Instagram at Vic in the Meadow, and I will see y'all next Sunday.